When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Player Profiler and our podcast network is super resource intensive and we rely on premium subscriptions to the website playerprofiler.com to keep the engine running. Go there, sign up for our player rankings, Dynasty Deluxe, DFS package, or go all in. Those that subscribe are everything to us. Welcome back, everybody, to Man vs. Machine. I am your host, Billy Musio. With me today in the house, one of my favorite people in the industry, Chalk. Chalk is one of the founders and co-owners of the Undroppables. He's also the ranker for the Undroppables. Number 18 ranker in the Fantasy Pros 2022 in-season contest. He's also a Dynasty D-Gen, friend of the Player Profiler Network, and also part of our programming partnership, with the undrafted. Plus, he's just a solid dude. Chalk, welcome to the podcast, buddy. Welcome. Really excited to talk some football with you and for us to dive into these projections. Yeah. Hey, Billy. Thanks. Um, thanks for the intro and those, those really kind words. Gave me gave me some chills as we get into this. I don't know. I know you're just setting me up because you're about to try to take me down here on Man vs. the Machine, but uh, truly a blessing and pleasure to be here and you know, talking football and, and some projections and rankings with you. So we have no Dario today. Normally, Dario is the machine. So it's just man e man. Uh, normally, I got to play this clip. So I'm going to do it anyways, because Dario is usually the machine. I just like to play it. I'm the machine! And so we got to usually play that when Dario's in the house. So that's in, in honor of Dario as he's on his way to Columbia today uh, to visit his family. And so man versus man today, projections versus projections. I went through, I had you send me your top 40 running backs. I also had you send me your top 50 wide receivers. And for those of you, why did I pick those numbers? Because those are the same numbers that we submit to the Fantasy Pros contest. So I wanted to get some context in here for our end of June ranking. So for everyone listening, it is June 28th, 2023. These are subject to change with any news as well as, as any signings. We're still waiting on Dalvin Cook. There's still a lot of impending free agents like Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, just to name a few, Ezekiel Elliott. And so a lot of these projections could potentially be skewed the closer we get to the season. But nonetheless, we are DGENs. We are here in June. We're talking about projections. We're talking about rankings. And we're going to be hashing out our differences. But before we do that, I do want to take a quick word from our sponsor over at Underdog. Let's take a moment to talk about Underdog Fantasy. Now, many of you have already signed up. Thousands have signed up from Player Profile already over the years. 
Underdog has supported us since 2020. Much of what you see on Player Profiler is because of Underdog, because of their support. Get the Underdog app, plug in that promo code UNDERWORLD. I used to play Underdog just for the best ball drafts. I mean, the best ball drafts are amazing. These draft rooms fill so quickly, and you can win life-changing money. You want to take advantage of all the sleepers we talk about on this show? Well, what better place than in an Underdog draft room to do that? And I recommend taking your underdog play to the next level by diving into their NFL pickums. It's important to correlate those NFL pickums. You can pick both the quarterbacks and the wide receivers to exceed expectations. Correlate them and you can 5x your payout. Bada bing, bada boom. Underdog Fantasy, the promo code is Underworld. For an instant deposit match up to $100, Underdog is the truest friend of the Underworld. Bada beam, bada boom. I like that line. I say it every time when we come back from commercial break. Um, really excited to talk about these June rankings. So for those of you who are just tuning in, we're going to be talking about our differences at the running back position, at the wide receiver position. We're then going to be selling or trying to convince the other person that our ranking is correct versus theirs. This is a healthy debate. There will be no slander inside man versus machine. However, Good discussion, good debate, always brings forth a lot of consideration and for us to really kind of ponder on our numbers and for us to possibly see something in a light that maybe we had missed. So that's why I like doing this. Iron sharpens iron chalk. You're you know always near the top of the rankings over at Fantasy Pros, and I'm excited to dive into these with you. Yeah, no, um, echo those sentiments, right? I, I, I truly respect you as a ranker, as an analyst. Uh, so, you know, I'm looking forward to diving in and hearing some of your your, your points and takes on, on these players. Uh, I know we've got some differences, uh, some bigger than others, and, you know, looking forward to, to uh, hashing these out. Well, let's just jump right into the running back position. The first player, I was actually surprised to see him this low on your rankings. Uh, it is a, a running back that I wasn't necessarily particularly fond of his ADP to start the season. This player was going at the end of round two. I told people we need to wait because this team is going to add a running back in the draft and we're going to get a deeper discount uh, after the NFL draft. And that's what happened. So Kenneth Walker is the running back we're about to discuss. Seattle added Zach Charbonnet in the mix in this backfield. Walker was a round two pick. He has slid to the end of round four. I've seen him go at the end of round five. He's kind of floats anywhere in between that like four, six, four, five range all the way to like the five, two on average. It's, it's kind of a, uh, a finicky player when it comes to draft rooms, uh, at least at the FFPC. That being said, I have him as RB15. You have him as RB26, so high-end RB3. ECR, expert consensus rankings, has him at RB16. What's the hesitation with you for Zach? Or for What's the hesitation with you for Kenneth Walker? I'm assuming you're a Charbonnet fan, or at least you have some concern with Charbonnet being here inside the mix. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I know the Roto Underworld is generally high on Walker, right, just throughout throughout the uh, throughout the brand, and, um, you know, it makes a lot of sense, right? Walker had an incredible rookie season, and, right, he really showed showed out uh, in that Pete Carroll offense. Uh, so he's an extremely talented back. There's no denying that. Um, but at the same time, we really can't discount Zach Charbonnet's impact on the run game Regardless if you think Charbonnet is just a mid-level running back or, you know, just maybe kind of decent or good. Um, I personally had Charbonnet fairly high in my uh, rookie prospect rankings um, before the draft. So during the pre-draft process, uh, I thought Charbonnet profiled as potentially a three-down back. 
Uh, not an elite prospect by any means, but he has a size uh, and he had some of the production, right? And I, I know uh, Matt's been on talking about Charbonnet just recently even that, you know, he got basically run out of Michigan and, you know, had to find his way in DCLA. And, you know, even then it was kind of, you know, had some ups and downs. But, uh, you know, when I look historically at the Seattle offense and, you know, how Pete Carroll's deployed that, a backfield, he doesn't necessarily give the ball to run running back. So when Chris Carson, um, you know, and you know, he was such a great player, uh, was tearing the league back up, you know, tearing the league up back in like 2018. Uh, he saw, I think, like 240-ish carries um, in that year. Uh, and Penny was, I believe, a rookie at the time. So kind of similarly, uh, similar situation. And uh, he was utilized as a change of pace back. And he saw uh, about 85, 90 carries as a rookie and only 14 games. So, you know, as we all know, Penny's consistently banged up. Uh, so he didn't play a full season back then. And I don't remember exactly if he was injured or if he was just, you know, getting, you know, kind of eased in. I know he had some training camp issues with weight, but, you know, just looking at that, you know, I, I'm, I'm projecting Charbonnet to have a role. Uh, and I do still think that Walker is going to be the lead back. Uh, and I'm projecting him at like 218 carries. Uh, but I do think Charbonnet is going to stay healthier than Penny did as a rookie. Uh, so I'm penciling in Charbonnet for around 130 carries, right? So a bit more than what Penny saw the rookie. Uh, and I do think that he's going to eat into some of that workload. Um, and I, for those reasons, I think that's enough to push Walker down a bit. Um, admittedly, I'll say that RB26, when I, I sent it over and, you know, he said years back, I, and I thought to myself, ah, it is pretty low for Walker. Um, but at this point, I know this is what I see him as. And I think he does settle in at, you know, low-end RB2, probably when it's all said and done before we get into the season. So it's interesting. You said 218 carries. So you actually haven't projected for more rushing attempts than I do. So I'm assuming then our differences in the target share. What do you have not projected for target share and total targets? So targets, total targets, I have him at 32, 32 targets. Um, I haven't done the actual target share numbers, but uh, in... in contrast i have charbonnet at like 34 targets so very similarly in terms of like what they're seeing at the at the running back position um yeah yeah, yeah that's that's the difference i'm in the 40 range where i got, got charbonnet it. i got charbonnet in the low 30s i do have both running backs pretty active in the passing game um and so i think that's where our main difference is and it's probably if you look at our projections in the total numbers i'm assuming that uh, RB, RB 16 to RB 26, I believe is what I said. Yep. 15 to 26. I, it's probably more so where the other players are around him as well. Right. Because a lot of these things are very clustered, right? We have like 215 fantasy points versus like 213 or 212. And you, the, you have these clusters and projections that may be separated. Like I, there's, there's at least a section inside my rankings where four running backs are separated by like one and a half fantasy points. It's so tightly knit that a lot of the time, this is where we're very similar in terms of projections, you and I. Like we, looking at the raw numbers, you just said 218, I'm at 209. And so it's interesting to see that. My biggest thing is though, is one, and this is hashtag analysis here for everyone, is look at this guy's face and then look at that face. Th this guy's a stone cold killer. Charbonnet just looks like he got home. He's ready to you know hang out with mom at, in, inside the kitchen. Where Kenneth Walker looks like he's about to run a football right down your throat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't deny that, man. Right, and I think I think the uh, 
the underworld saying, right? He got the dog in him, right? Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's it's crazy i wasn't that high on walker last year you know and, and i feel like i missed because uh, i felt like he was really explosive he had his he had his moments and i think that coming off that injury i was a little more hesitant right there was there's a lot of information floating out there that it could be affecting him all season and obviously it didn't right i, I think it it definitely maybe maybe hindered him i don't think it really showed in his game that much but I think he's just an explosive runner. I mean, 7.5% breakaway run rate, which was number eight in the league. He had 17 breakaway runs, which was number three inside the league. Like, this is what he does. He just is an explosive back. He can take it to the house. Um, and I think even in a opportunity share where he is maybe splitting some time with Charbonnet, I do think that he has the ability to still be explosive. And my thing is with Kenneth Walker is one, he has familiarity with the offense already. We have seen times where Pete Carroll may be less than, than, you know, willing to throw a rookie out there on the field, especially in the backfield. Um, Last year, kind of, I was, you know, I I was wrong in that, in, in that regard, but up to last year, we had seen kind of Pete Carroll, not necessarily trust them right out the gate, which I think, when they have someone like Walker, do they need to necessarily rely on Charbonnet on third down situations when they already know that Walker can can perform? Are they going to give the ball to Walker on the goal line when the game is on the on the line? Are they, they going to give to Charbonnet? I lean probably towards the one-year veteran that has already proven himself inside the offense. And so um, I think Charbonnet, like you said, has the ability to be a three-down back. I do think that Walker, though, is just a better overall prospect, in my opinion, just from my grades and watching you know, college film and comparing the two players. I do think there's enough volume for both these players to be relevant. It's not like I'm low on Charbonnet. I have him inside my top 40. I just think that Walker is the better talent overall. Yeah, no, I I can't debate you on, you know, the goal line, the goal line back, right? And like I mentioned, Walker's going to see, you know, more, more touches, more volume, right? He is the one-year veteran and he did show out. Um, but just just the fact that Pete Carroll drafted Charbonnet after a season like Walker put up, it just makes me a little nervous about how they're going to utilize Walker going forward. And maybe it's because Pete Carroll's been burned by so many running back injuries over the years that he's trying to, you know, prolong Walker's, you know, like you know, just durability and his longevity in the league or his ability to stay on the field. Um, but it's just, it's just a curious, it was a curious pick. And, and I know I'm not the only one that was scratching their head when Charbonnet got drafted, although maybe we're not super surprised about that. Uh, so, th- so that's, that's why I, I feel like Charbonnet is going to have a role. And I just feel like that role is enough to take off some of that excitement around Walker. And like I said, you know, I'll probably will settle down, you know, somewhere in the, you know, 20 lower, you know, lower twenties, uh, for Walker when it's all said and done. So probably inching closer to you. And based on what you had said about uh, the targets and definitely the efficiency numbers, I probably have to look at his rushing efficiency as well. Uh, Cause it is going to be a matter of a handful of points. That's going to, you know, make a bigger difference. So. It's going to be interesting to see what they do in the passing game too, right? Cause Charbonnet does has the ability to catch the ball. Uh, we did see Walker last year with a total of, or 7.2% target share. Uh, last year with 35 total targets, but he wasn't necessarily operating as the primary back to start the season, right? And we missed week one. Week two, he only saw 23% of snap share. Week three, he only saw 13% of snap share. Week four, he, he kind of geared up to 36% of snap share. So he was pretty limited in his first 
four weeks in the NFL due to that injury. And then he kind of started hitting the ground running 56, 70% snap share, 73, 77, 96. And we start to see the targets start to come in line as well, right? Three targets to two to four to eight, you know, and then he mixed in a few ones here and there. So I'm very interested to see what they do with him in the passing game. I think he has the ability to have a 50 you know, target season. I, I just don't know what they're going to do in that regard because they added Jack Smith to Jigba. They still have Tyler Lockett. They still have DK Metcalf. They utilize a lot of 12 personnel. So we might see Noah Fant still on the field with Disley. And this this offense could go so many different ways any given week, right? And and so it's going to be interesting to see how they utilize the running backs. I kind of split the difference and put him in the 40 range because I think he'll see more than he saw last year, but I don't think he'll quite see over 50 yet because they do have another back and all these other weapons that I just mentioned. So it's an interesting dichotomy here inside Seattle and interested to see how it breaks down. Let's move on to our next running back, and that is Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara comes in at my rankings as RB36, your ranking as RB27. ECR has him as RB30. Chalk pretty much said F the suspension, but real talk, if he is suspended, will your ranking change? Do you have... Uh, are you accounting for missed games currently or are you waiting to see, are you taking more of a wait and see method to see what happens with, with the legal action? So I I am projecting that he's not playing a full season, right? So I, I do believe that there's a really good chance that he's missing games. Right. And what I've been reading and seeing is potentially a six game suspension. Uh, so that's what I generally took into account when I did his projections here. Um, and, and just kind of listen, listening to the ECR because I didn't know what ECR was until like you know we we basically just jumped jumped on. Uh, I think I'm fairly close, and I guess I'm a little bit more bullish than ECR, and of course than you. Um, so last year, Kamara played in 15 games, more or less uh, close to full season, and he had over 220 carries, and he had 77 targets and caught 57 of those of those targets. If I'm projecting out 11 games this season, and I'm using more or less last year's efficiency numbers or breakdown um, you know, he's going to carry the ball, carry the ball at least 160, 160 times and see about 60 targets. Right. Um, so I'm accounting for a potential suspension there. Uh, and if we're looking at, you know, Derek Carr's running back last year, Josh Jacobs, uh, just kind of from a point of reference, uh, Jacobs, of course, not as fluid or effective in the passing game as Kamara is. And Jacobs saw 64 targets. Uh, in each of the last two seasons from Derek Carr. So those numbers do support the notion that Derek Carr is going to be checking down to his running back. Uh, definitely more than, you know, Jameis Winston or even Andy Dalton probably has, you know, over the last few years. Um, so given that I am comfortable um, projecting Camara, um, you know, around that 60-ish target range this year in 11 games uh, in an offense that's, probably going to be more effective and efficient than um, last year's offense with Andy Dalton. Um, of course, we're going to have Olave taking a step forward. Uh, Michael Thomas may be healthy and maybe coming back, but you know, the offense is really going to run through Camara and, and Olave when Camara is healthy. So um, for those reasons, I still feel fairly bullish and, you know, like, like, um, like they say, a target is worth, you know, one and a half times a, a carry and Kamara is going to definitely see his share of carries, but more importantly, those targets. So th that's why I, I'm fairly still, still not, I don't want to say bullish, but I, I'm still, I guess, confident that Kamara will put up a, an interesting season. 
Yeah, the, the suspension looming is is the reason I'm so low on him. Um, I took his numbers even down a peg with the addition of Jamal Williams because we've seen the last couple of years, he really hasn't had a true number two in the backfield. Right, We had Mark Ingram kind of in and out of this backfield. It, it hasn't really been anyone um, to a level of competition outside of Taysom Hill vulturing him on the goal line and ruining my FFPC dreams of, you know, half a million dollars every year. So um, Alvin Kamara, for me, I am less optimistic on the rushing share than you are. I have him for 132 rushing attempts, so not far off. I think you said 160. Um, so we're we're only off by about 20-ish. Uh, yeah, so I said, I, I said 160, which was uh, last year's breakdown, but I actually projected my 144, so a little bit closer. Yeah, so we're only off by like 14 then. Yeah. Um, I still have him at like a 4.2 yard per carry. So I have him at 537.7 rushing yards and 4.6 rushing touchdowns. In the air, I have less targets as well because for me, we have Michael Thomas back, right? At least until he, you know, trips and hurts his toe again. And then we have Rashid Shahid, who played surprisingly well last year. Of course, we have Chris Olave, who I'm projecting to be the number one over here. But they brought in Foster Moreau. They still have Juwan Johnson. They brought in Brian Edwards. And Brian Edwards isn't anything special, but you probably will see 2 to 4% of the target share. Still get to count for it, right? Taysom Hill is still going to be in the mix for 2 to 4% of the target share. And then, of course, Jamal Williams is now in the mix, as well as Kendra Miller. So I did bump his target share down a bit to 46 targets. And... uh I kept his efficiency relatively the same, at least in the passing game. That gives him 297 receiving yards and about two scores on the ground. So I am a little less optimistic in his efficiency this year, just in general, or his opportunity, I should say, not efficiency, because Kendry Miller is in town, because we have Jamal Williams in town. And the goal line was already concerned with Taysom Hill for me. Right? We saw Taysom Hill kind of always coming in these creative packages and vulturing these touchdowns away from Alvin Kamara. And then they add Jamal Williams, and we saw what Jamal Williams was able to do last year, right? It, he, he led the league in rushing touchdowns, I believe. And so now you add him into the mix with Taysom Hill. How many goal line opportunities is Kamara going to see? And so I think that Kamara is by far the better talent uh, than Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams. But it begs the question is, are they going to mix in these two inside the goal line? And is it going to reduce his upside for the touchdown department? And I know touchdowns are are one of the hardest things to project and have the most variance year to year. Um, but when we look at Kamara he, he, for, you know, 2017, 2018, 2020, he had fantastic touchdown years. And then we see that kind of drop off at 2021 at the nine to four last year in 2022. So my concern is in a full-time role last year with Taysom Hill vulturing and with this offense not looking as good as it had in years before, Kamara saw a significant drop in total touchdowns. And with Jamal Williams in the mix now, I'm also concerned. No, you make some great points. You know, and I do think Jamal Williams is the goal line back, right? So I do have him projected for, you know, I mean, twice as many uh, rushing touchdowns as Kamara. Um, and I do have Jamal Williams with, 33% uh, of the rushing share uh, compared to Kamara, like 30%, make even like, I think it's 28.8. Uh, so close to 30% rushing share. Um, so yeah, I agree with you that Jamal Williams is going to be a factor in the run game. But like I said, I still think that Kamara is going to see a decent amount of targets, um, you know, this, this coming year, even with Michael Thomas, even with, you know, 
uh, Rashid Shahi, who I'm a big fan of, you know, Brian Edwards and, and Foster Moreau, both former teammates of Derek Carr. So I'm sure there's going to be some kind of, you know, built on built on chemistry there or, yep. you know, building off of that. Um, but I still think Kamara's going to see at least 10, 11% of the targets uh, in New Orleans, regardless of the, the, uh, the suspension. Um, Michael Thomas is still going to see, you know, close to probably 20% and a lot of it, of course, over 20% of the targets um, out there. And you still got, you know, like you said, Taysom Hill, Juwan Johnson. So they got some playmakers. Um, but ultimately, the ball is going to go to your best players. And I still think that Kamara even though in the advanced age is still one of the better players on the team. Uh, and really the suspension is the only thing really holding back from uh, another incredible season. I'm also a big fan of Kendra Miller. Um, but the fact that they did sign Jamal Williams, uh, they have Camara, you know, I think the ball is really going to go to them. Taysom Hill is going to get his share of, of goal line touches and, you know, those kind of manufactured kind of touches that he gets um, all over the field. Um, so, you know, I, I think, I think that, you know, at least kind of hearing what you're saying, I, I definitely am nodding my head on, on several of those points. Uh, but I, I do feel comfortable with where I'm at with the camera, at least, at least more than I was with Walker after talking to you about this one. So let's, let's speak of alternate universe where Kamara is not suspended. Where does he move in your projections? Oh man. Um, I'd say, I mean, if now, I haven't, yeah. Now he's probably in that 180 range, almost maybe 190 range in rushing attempts, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I think. So I, I think he bumps up into a high-end RB2, you know? I mean, if I have him at a, you know, high-end RB3, I think he jumps up a tier, like a, almost a solid tier, you know, probably RB20-ish at, at worst, you know? Um, but I, I could see him bumping up in, in that RB15 to 18 range, you know, realistically, if he's not suspended, right? He's going to... He's going to be a factor, and, and the Saints are going to be competitive in the division, not not in the NFL as a whole, but in that division which is wide open. Um, I think they're going to they're going to try to ride their good players and, and try to be competitive this year. I mean, they signed Derek Carr, and you know they brought in you know um, some weapons, and Michael Thomas is going to, like we said, he's going to be hopefully healthy until he trips over his toe again, and um, you know I think they're going to. They really try to make a push for the playoffs. So I just punched in. Uh, we both said a roughly 180 targets. So I'm going to punch him in live. I just want to see where he moves because I have not done this exercise. This is just live on the podcast for everybody. So I moved him from like 33% of the rushing share to 46% of the rushing share. That took him to 184 rushing attempts, which seems about right based upon uh, what he's done in his career with Jamal Williams being added and with Kendra Miller being added. I gave him 12% of the target share versus the you know, 8% that I had, which gave him closer to 70 targets, which is low in comparison to what he's seen in years of the past. But again, we have a new quarterback. They're not checking down as much. They do have some weapons. So um, we can even bump this up. Let's go to like 0.14. That gives him the 80 targets. That's realistic. Um, and let's go ahead and see what that did for his overall rank. So we have Mara that moved to RB11, if that was where to happen, Ooh. at least at least in my projections. And so if we taper that back, let's go back to the target share and go 0.12. That's back to 70 targets instead of the 80 targets. That takes him to RB15. So you hit the hammer on the nail. or the, I always mess up that saying. What's the actual saying? <laughs> the nail on the head. You hit the nail on the head. <laughs> you made me think about it. You got me on track. 
<laughs> I forget what it's called, but if you you mix you mix phrases, there's a word for it. Um, and it, I always mix phrases, and it's like rocket surgery, right? It's not rocket surgery instead of rocket science. <laughs> and so there's there's I do this all the time, and it's uh it's 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 not something I do deliberately, but it's it's it, it's kind of fun to do. All right, let's get these. I'm gonna get these these things fixed so I don't submit this with wrong 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 projections. Well, I wouldn't okay. I wouldn't mind, man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let's move on to our our next player, and this one is another one. I'm pretty surprised to see you as high as you were on. Um, and this player is now with Miami, or was with Miami as of last year, and that is Jeff Wilson. So Jeff Wilson last year actually played 16 games, but if you look at the 16 games, there was there were some missed snaps. He played in a game, he left injured. So take that 16 games with a grain of salt. Um, he was very efficient on the ground. So 176 rushing attempts, 860 yards, 4.9 yards per carry. Did have 22 receptions for 185 receiving yards with six scores. He was RB32 in fantasy points per game. You have him as RB31 inside of your projections. I have him as RB47. So pretty big difference. 16 spots here. ECR, expert consensus rankings, has him as rb forty. Three. Tell me why I'm wrong inside this projection. I'm curious to see what your thought process is with Jeff Wilson because he is a former 49er, so I do have an affinity for him. But that being said, we have A-Chain who was added to this backfield with speed and the passing ability or the pass-catching ability. We also have the potential of Dalvin Cook signing. I'm assuming you're not accounting for that as of right now because it is hypothetical at the time. But how much do you think A-Chain will be involved and then what does this projection look like for you if Cook is actually signed to this team? Yep. So, um, you know, I, I do like Devin Achan as a prospect. I think he's going to have a role this season, but he's an undersized back and he's not going to get the goal line touches or those high, high value touches around the goal line um, and in the red zone, at least the way I see it. Um, and, you know, with the rumors swirling around that Miami made the offer for Cook, it is telling me that A-Chain will have a role, but likely not a significant one, right? So that's just the fact that Miami has two running backs already. They added A-Chain. Um, you know, he definitely is liked by the coaching staff, specifically um, the head coach. Uh, so I think I think there's going to be opportunity there. And he's speed, and the Miami playmakers are all speedy, right? They're like, that's their, that's their whole premise of their offense is, Right, you can't stop us and you can't catch us. Right, everyone on the field is a burner. Um, so, and I think Mike McDaniel gets creative and is going to manufacture touches, um, you know, for a chain. And I, th- I think that's how he's going to be deployed as a as a weapon. Right, just all over the field, he's going to, you know, be lined up in, in, around the formation, and they're going to get him touches. Um, but you know, like, like I said, like we've seen through his college numbers, he's not going to see like the the high volume. Uh, with a high volume in the in the red zone or along the goal line, so that's going to limit his touchdown upside. Uh, and my projections for Jeff Wilson uh, did not count for J- Dalvin Cook at all, right? I didn't I didn't think that he was going to sign there until because I did the projections, you know, a month ago, right before mm-hmm. it was really gaining steam. Of course, now it's making me very nervous about my Jeff Wilson projections and. As soon as things happen, I'm going to have to adjust. Uh, and I'll get to that where I think he's going to land. Um, but I do think Jeff Wilson is going to out slightly outtouch Mostert over the course of a season. Uh, I think, I mean, both of them have been 
Injured. Walk me through your rush shares. Like, what do you have them in total attempts for both of them? Yeah, yeah. And I can get that to you right now. Um, so I have Wilson at 156 and Mostert at 132 okay. uh, rushing attempts, um, respectively. Where, where do you have A-Chain? I have A-Chain at 60. So, I mean, he's not really seeing that much. He's seeing quite quite a bit less um, of the rushing share. So, I mean, if we're breaking this down, Wilson and, and Mostert – Essentially splitting, you know, 40, 40-ish percent of the rushing share, give or take. And I, and I can pull up on my my projection app uh, here. But, I mean, just doing the raw napkin math right there off the top of my head, I think that's that's how it generally breaks, out, breaks down to. Yeah, J.K. Um, Rowling wrote Harry Potter in a napkin. We do projections on napkins. That's how we do it. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's see. I, I have it right here. Just give me one second, and I, I can pull it up. Um, Come on, Chalk. Get it together. Yeah, sorry about that. I didn't. I have my projection on the spreadsheet, but I have my rushing shares on the thing. So he's got to flip uh, through the napkins. There's he's got yeah, three ply yeah, and four ply. Yeah, exactly right. So I got I got most of that thirty six percent of the rushing share and most of that thirty ones. Right. So okay. um, yeah, so fairly close. You, you but had eighteen, like at fifteen. Then is that about right? Yeah, yeah, that's about right. Yep. Napkin. Um, and I, I like like I said, um. You know, Jeff Wilson's going to, the way I see it, he's going to be the lead back, at least from the from a volume perspective. Uh, he's going to probably score the most touchdowns if we're looking at volume. Uh, so I, that, that's that's kind of how I broke it out. Um, I do think, like, to, to your question earlier, uh, if Dalvin Cook signs in Miami, where does, where does Jeff, uh, Jeff Wilson fall? I mean, he's going to tumble down a, a lot. You know, I mean, everyone gets nuked in that backfield. Uh, I would have him... Beyond probably even the RB forty-seven, I, I you probably you know in the RB fifty-ish range at that point, right? Everyone just gets nuked at that point. I think Delvin Cook becomes the bell cow, uh, and everybody suffers as a result in that Miami backfield. Yeah, I think you're right. If Cook gets added here, I think everybody would be probably below RB fifty. We had yeah. probably, and I'm higher on a chain than a lot of people are, just because. I like the speed, right? He comes out at 4.32, blazing 99th percentile speed, 88th percentile speed score. Player profiler has him comp to Chris Johnson, which is a similar player that I liked. And I looked at his tape and saw him run uh, and saw his ability. It was a player that I thought of uh, and and saw it as well. So I was happy to see that that comparison inside of our, our database. Uh, the thing with me for Define A Chain is the the production in the passing game, right? Because all we really have is Tyreek Hill. All we really have is Jalen Waddle. Outside that, there's real no number three. I mean, yes, they brought in Robbie Anderson. They still have Cedric Wilson, River Craycraft, whoop do you and do, right? Braxton Berrios, okay, now we're getting gadgety. And then we get into the tight ends, or I should say lack thereof of tight ends. You got Durham Smythe. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right because no one even cares about him. You have Elijah Higgins, who is a converted wide receiver, who is now a tight end. You have Eric Saubert. So someone needs to step up as a number three in this passing um, passing game. And I think it's going to be A-Chain, right? They went out and they spent a, a decent draft pick on him. And so I think that we have to be mindful of McDaniels and how they utilize backs, right? We talked about Jeff Wilson earlier, and we talked about his 22 receptions. Right, We go over to Raheem Mostert, and Raheem Mostert had 31 receptions. And so we know that they like to at least utilize the backs between the two of them. Right, We have, have a decent amount of, 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 of touches inside the passing game. And so I think that we can expect to see 
A-Chain pretty heavily involved. We hear that McDaniels banged the table for A-Chain. Again, to your point, he liked the speed. Can you imagine defending this team with Tyreek Hill spreading the field? You have Waddle spreading the field. What it's going to do to the running lanes for these running backs? I think somebody is going to really outproduce their ADP in this backfield, whether it's Wilson, whether it's Mostert, whether it's A-Chain. I typically like to go with the younger of the backs who have the speed. Mostert is also a track star, right? We can't forget that. Um, but we know that Jeff Wilson and we know that Raheem Mostert also aren't necessarily the pillars of health, right? They all have always kind of been fairly injury prone in their careers and whether that was because of the Niners system or just in general, but we saw them both get hurt or at least banged up, I should say last year. And so adding another running back in the mix made sense. I think that you're right in terms of the overall rush share. I also have Raheem Mostert leading the rush share over the team over Raheem Mostert, over A-Chain, but I have it all three a little closer than you do. I have Jeff Wilson for about 33% of the rush share. I have Raheem Mostert for about 26% of the rush share, and I have Devon A-Chain for about 24% of the rush share. Um, and I am also just projecting that uh, that Wilson and Mostert just don't make it a full 16 games. And so that's why I have that you know, eight chain projection up a little higher than you about 40, about 40 extra rushing attempts. And so the big difference for me with Wilson is when, you know, I, again, I'm going to mess up this, this analogy here, but what goes up must come down. Right. And when we have a receiver like Devon, a chain being added to the mix of this backfield, something has to give with the other back. So I also have a decline in target share for Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson. I have roughly Roughly the same, but again, not as many opportunities as he would have seen without the addition of Devon Ajan. So I have, you know, some concerns with him. And again, to your point, if they added Cook, this entire conversation goes out the window. And now we're just talking about Dalvin Cook in the mix because he's probably at that 58 to 60 percent rush share and everybody else is going to sprinkle in. Yeah. Do, do you have a chain around like an eight percent target share, or is it like more like in seven and a half? Like, where, where yep. do you have his, his target eight, share? Eight and a half to be exact, which is 50, 50 targets, um, which is the number two or number three option inside the target share. So Tyreek, I have at twenty nine percent target share, one hundred and seventy one targets. I have Jalen Waddle at twenty four percent target share, which is one hundred and forty two targets. And then the next one is a chain at fifty targets. And then the next closest would actually be. Cedric Wilson at 38 targets, Robbie Anderson at 30 targets, Elijah Higgins at 28 targets, Smythe at 27 targets, Braxton Berrios at 21 targets, and it just keeps getting uglier and uglier and uglier. So I do think somebody steps up inside this passing game as, or I should say, inside this running back core as the number three in the passing game. I'm leaning towards A-Chain just because of his pass-catching ability. And like I said, we we mentioned it earlier, you look at his target share in college 14.7 percent college the college target share which is 93rd percentile i don't think they go out and get him if they had didn't have the intention of mixing him into this to this mix yeah you know what it, uh, you know after talking talking through with you I, i'm fairly lower on the target share for a chain and i think if i bump that up by taking away some from wilson and Mostert, and probably more more wilson because i've already taken off of Mostert it's probably going to bring them a bit closer, right? It's going to bring Jeff Wilson down closer to the forties, probably in that 40 range. Uh, it's going to bump up a chain a little, you know, quite a bit. And I did my, like I said, I did my projections, you know, for overall, for all the teams, you know, about a month, even a month, like over a month ago. 
And just even just kind of some of the reports coming out of Miami around A-Chain, and I heard he bulked up a bit. I don't know if you heard that. Um, you know, he obviously was a track star in college and, you know, was trying to stay clean, but now that he doesn't have to run track anymore, he's putting on some weight. Uh, so that that's actually kind of exciting, you know. Like, I think that keeps him on the field more and probably gets him more opportunities, right? If he if he's able to kind of withstand some of that, you know, beating at that that next level, I think I think he does project a bit higher, right? And I, I haven't accounted for that, so that's something to consider. I need to consider. Let's do one more running back, and then we'll we'll jump over to the wide receivers. Uh, I want to talk about. I shall let you pick. Do you want to talk about Rashad Penny, or do you want to talk about Jarek McKinnon? Let's talk about let's talk about Rashad Penny because um, okay. we, we we've been talking we talked about some of the other Seattle backs and he's a former Seattle back and I think <laughs> it's an interesting situation out in Philadelphia with with Swift and and Penny so yeah very interesting situation right they have Swift they have Gainwell they actually re-signed Scott they signed Penny to a one year one point three five million dollar contract but only six hundred thousand guaranteed max contract is two point one million. And as I said, they still have Swift, Gainwell, and Scott. So how are you envisioning this backfield shakes up? We know they like to work in three backs to this offense. Are you expecting them to continue with three-back-headed monster? And how do you project this the kind of overall touches to shake up? Walk me through your numbers. Yeah, so um, I do think they're still going to utilize three backs, uh, Swift, Penny, and Gainwell. Um, and I do have Swift higher than penny right overall and that's based off the the targets target share but i do think that penny is gonna be, be leading the team in rushing attempts and you know and i think he's gonna be fairly e- efficient um on those touches i mean he's for as long as he stayed on the field over this over his career he's been an effective runner i do think he's a better runner out of the two between swift and penny and then also better runner than gainwell and even boston scott uh, overall, so I have I have Rashad Penny seeing 167 carries, uh, and I have Swift at 135 carries. Um, but that said, uh, Swift is going to see a lot more targets. Uh, I have him at 55 targets, and I have Penny only at 13 targets in the in the passing game. Uh, I'm hopeful that Penny stays on the field. I mean, probably not going to happen, right? Let, let's just be real on that, right? He's been injury prone. <laughs> Right, he's never held up in the season, but neither has Swift. Right, neither one of them have actually held up uh, in a full season. And the one thing that I I just keep thinking about with that offense is Jalen Hurts is going to get his, and he's going to run the ball quite a bit. And I do feel like Penny is going to be a better option in the RPO with Hurts. Like I said, he's a better runner, uh, and it makes it more interesting where. You know, either Hertz is running it or Penny's running it, right? And you pick your poison. Uh, so I think for that reason, I I am favoring Penny in the rushing game. Um, and for that reason, and, and that's kind of why it's interesting because I do have Swift getting more targets, but and, and so he's getting projected higher than Penny by just a, by a, by a hair. Um, and you know, like I said, Hertz hasn't been known to check down to his receivers. So you know, may, maybe Swift needs to come down a bit more. Um, but I do think that, you know, a high-end RB4 production for Penny seems fair, um, you know, in that offense. So you have Rashad Penny projected for, or I should say, you have Rashad Penny projected as RB39. I have him projected as RB53. ECR 
is actually ahead of both of us at RB35. This is this is a clusterfuck, man. It really is. And and I would say if we knew today that we could get a full 16 weeks out of Rashad Penny, I would tell you that he should probably be drafted in the first round. That's how good I think Rashad Penny is. When we look at what he did down the stretch in 2021 season, he was the RB1 from weeks 14 through week 17, outperforming Jonathan Taylor during that stretch when Jonathan Taylor finished as the RB1. And we saw what he did, right? He had 138 total yards and two touchdowns one week. He follows up with, you know, 44 the week after, which kind of sucked. But then he goes into 135 total yards and a touchdown, 185 total yards and two touchdowns, 190 total yards and a single score. That was just down the stretch. He won people their leagues. He won people a lot of money in tournaments. The problem is we just don't know how many games we're going to get out of him, right? He played five games in 2022. He played three games in 2020. He only played 10 games in 2021. And it just continues. He's never played a full season, but he's a dynamic back. He's an outstanding back. He's honestly probably the most explosive back or it has been the most explosive back in the NFL. 12.6% breakaway run weight, run weight, which is number one in the NFL if you account for his, his total games. It's amazing what he has been able to accomplish when he is on the field, but we just don't know how often that is going to be. And so for me, I don't project him, of course, to play a full 16. He has never played a full 16. I have him at 27% of the rush air, which is 142 rushing attempts. I do have Swift slightly ahead of him at 153 rushing attempts because I think Swift will be slightly healthier then Rashad Penny, I joked around and said that between these two backs, they might get 15, 16 games, but I don't think the two of them will play all 16 combined even. Um, it's it's going to be close. It's you know, But that's why they still have Gainwell. That's why they still have Scott. So they're going to mix in these other players, and they still have Jalen Hurts, who's going to run the ball as well. To your point, DeAndre Swift is far ahead in the target share department. I have him at 11% target share. I have Rashad Penny at 2%. So that's the difference. 58 targets versus 11 targets. And so just breaks down to health with me for Penny. I love the back. I love the player. I love the upside. I love the fact that he is now has one of the best offensive lines in football. And I think that he could potentially be the RB1. And I, I mean that. I truly mean that. He could be the RB1 in football behind this offensive line if he played an entire season. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like in the racing breakdown, I think, you know, we, like you said, we flipped a little bit, but it's still fairly close, right? And then on, on the target side, I uh, have Swift at like a little bit over 10% of the target share and at Rodshaw Penny at like 2%, right? So, like, you know, fairly just like, you know, a non factor in the passing game for Penny. So, you know, I think, I think we're fairly close here just in terms of like the, the, the market share breakdown on, on both sides of the ball or, you know, both the rushing and, and passing uh, sides of the offense. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's such a disappointment for Penny. I, I was a huge fan of him when he came into the league, right? He's from San Diego state. I'm from Southern California, right? So it's always good to see, you know, talent coming out of, you know, down here, uh, we don't get too many names um, in the NFL coming from you know Southern California, so uh, big fan. But like you said, like not a fan of the injury history and just that lack of durability. Okay, let's talk about a new position. Let's let's move on to the wide receiver position. Let's talk about one of my favorite players this year, and that is Christian Watson. So Christian Watson for me comes in in my projection as RB sixteen. He comes in your projection as oh, sorry. 
wide receiver 16. Comes in your projection as wide receiver 23. ECR is lower than both of us at wide receiver 25. We saw what Christian Watson was able to do last year, right? He had seven touchdowns in a short span of games, right? We saw him hit three touchdowns in week 10, two touchdowns in week 11, one touchdown in week 12, one touchdown in week 13. It seemed like he was never going to stop scoring touchdowns until finally he did. But that being said, we know he has the upside. 96th percentile 40-yard dash, 4.36 speed. He has 98th percentile speed score. Burst score, 95th percentile. Agility score, a little lower, 62nd percentile. Catch radius, 97th percentile. He's an athletic freak, six foot four, 208 pounds. Drafted at pick 202 inside of the draft. Yes, he did lose Aaron Rodgers. He does have Jordan Love now. There is some concern at quarterback. That being said, though, there is not a lot of competition for target share in this offense, right? We have the likes of, of course, Christian Watson, who I just mentioned. Then we have Romeo Dobbs. We have uh, Jaden Reed. We have the two rookie tight ends in in Luke Musgrave and... Um, I'm blanking on the other kid's name. What's his name? Tucker Craft. Tucker Craft, yep. And then we have, the course, the running backs who both have the ability to catch the ball, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. Walk me through your projection with Christian Watson. Where do you have him in target share, total targets, touchdowns? I'm curious to see what your thought process is on him. Yeah, so target share, I have him at 20% uh, for 110 targets. Uh, so, you know, he's definitely going to be the clubhouse leader in in that Green Bay um, wide receiver core with with the 20% of the targets. Uh, I have him at six receiving touchdowns. So, you know, like, I mean, like, you know, I'm sure you, you, you've taught me, you know, much of this, but you know, touchdowns are not sticky year, year over year. So I do have him only with six receiving touchdowns this coming year. And yeah, he was explosive, right? Like there was like, he had multiple games where he had multi- more than one touchdown. And it was just like you said, like the, the hits don't stop, right? He's, he's continuing to score. Uh, and his plays, his touchdowns were off big plays, splash plays, right? Like deep, deep threat down the field, uh, Aaron Rodgers airing it out, uh, you know, delivering the ball on target on time uh, to a, a explosive wide receiver like Christian Watson. But, you know, the fact that Jordan Love is now the, the quarterback and we don't know if he's going to be able to deliver the ball on target, on time, down the field, on a consistent basis. I just have to, I just have to downgrade the touchdowns and, and then factor in just that touchdowns aren't sticky over time. And right. There's that potential for regression. You're right. The wide receiver core, the pass catching core in green Bay is nothing to write home about, uh, you know, Romeo Dobbs, hopefully takes a step forward this year. He had some flashes here and there, and I guess there's positive reports out of camp, just like every every other player in the NFL is getting glowing reports. Like Every player is going to break out this year, but, you know, we are hearing some some news um, about Romeo Dobbs. Uh, Packers drafted one of my favorite prospects in Jaden Reed. I don't think Jaden Reed is going to be a, a huge factor this year, but, I mean, that's something. And then they also drafted two rookie tight ends. You mentioned uh, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, also both factors in the passing game. With Jordan Love essentially playing his rookie year now at this point in his career, right? This is his first chance to really, you know, play meaningful snaps uh, for an entire season. I think the Green Bay Packers are going to play fairly conservatively and run the ball 
as much as they can through Jones and especially Dylan. Uh, you know, they're going to probably have him check down or I would assume check down to his, his safety blanket tight ends uh, and then his running backs. And it's, 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 we're not, it's, it's uncertainty whether he's going to be able to get the ball to Christian Watson down the field on a consistent basis. So you know, that's, that's kind of why I'm tempering my expectations. Um, you know, if, if he can prove me wrong, I, I'd be happy because I, I recently traded for him in a dynasty league. Um, you know, I flipped a, a George Pickens for Christian Watson, Watson straight up. And I was pretty excited about that. Oh, Jesse, um, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because, you know, I, 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 I like Pickens, but I like Watson more, right? Even though this season I may, I may not be you know, super high on him, but I think he continues to develop. And I do think he still is top you know, 20-ish wide receiver, uh, but I just don't think he's going to have the season that he had last year, at least, at least for now. And then, you know, as, as Jordan Love progresses and, and develops, you know, hopefully that, that becomes something, you know, a special connection. So what kind of dirt do you have on this league mate that flipped you picking? <laughs> man. Hey, man. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just, you know what? Cause I just felt like George Pickens was getting a lot of hype and, you know, I think he's a good solid receiver, right. But he's just not going to be one of those receivers that has that WR one top 12 upside, like a Christian Watson does. Right. I think yeah. Christian Watson truly does have that top 12 upside. Uh, and like, you know, even your projection at uh, WR 16, that, that kind of hints at that, right. That, Hey, he's a solid top 15 ish running uh, wide receiver. And he does have that upside. A couple of touchdowns goes his way and he's right there in that conversation. Right. Yeah. I also have him projected for 6.6 receiving touchdowns. So you had him for six. So we're in the, we're in the ballpark. Christian Watson though, I have 22% of the target share. So not much more 2% though. That's the difference between, you know, your projection and my projection, probably it's 126 targets for me. Uh, and I did give him a, a, a decrease in cash percentage because of course we're going from, you know, future hall of fame quarterback to Jordan love. So we have to at least be mindful of that. I did also decrease his yards per receptions from um, the algorithm for me kicked out 14.9. I, I dropped down to 14.3 even. And so we saw a little bit over half a yard there as well. Um, and so I was, I feel like I'm, I like modestly projected Christian Watson this year and he's still this high. I felt like I was, cause there's a lot of like, there's a lot of different scenarios where he could see 24% target share. He could see 10 touchdowns. Right. Yep. And I think that the likelihood of him performing better in these categories, if as long as he stays healthy far outweighs the likelihood of him underperforming these categories based upon the, you know, remaining receiving core that they have. And so I, I think that he has a lot of outs. Like I'm a poker player, right? He has a lot of outs to perform, like you said, as a wide receiver one in the NFL. Love his talent, love his opportunity, and I think he's in for a big year. Let's move on to the next wide receiver, and that is going to be Mike Evans. So Mike Evans comes in my projection as wide receiver 28. Your wide receiver 21. The interesting piece is ECR is lower than both of us at wide receiver 33. I get it. Tom Brady's gone. I get it. Baker Mayfield's here. My question is, what if we get the Baker Mayfield that we saw in L.A. last year? Like, that was a pretty damn good Baker Mayfield. We saw him drive the ball down against Vegas. I lost like 500 bucks in that game because I thought there's no way a scrub off the street was going to come in and beat an NFL caliber team learning the playbook in his lap as he's driving to the field. But he did it. Of course, the script writers had an excellent script for that week. Nonetheless, um, here we are. But Mike Evans has yet to not eclipse 
1,000 receiving yards. We have seen that he consistently is always on the field with 16 games in 2020, 16 games in 2021, 15 games in 2022. Again, 100-plus targets every season. Yes, Brady's gone, so we expect it to be lower than 128 or 113, but always around that 70 reception mark. Like I said, always over 1,000 yards, always around 14 yards per reception, always has the air yards to give him more opportunity. Receiving touchdowns, usually always a positive. Last year, only saw six. Nonetheless, I still am high on Mike Evans this year. I What what Mike Evans do you think we get? Or I should say Baker Mayfield, because that's going to be the number one, the number one kind of ver- variation here. Or I should say the biggest piece of variance that we have is the quarterback play. Because if we knew today that we had, you know, a top 20 quarterback or even a top 22 quarterback, I'd say that Mike Evans is probably going too low, right? And and we we know this offense is is going to be funneled through Mike Evans. We know it's going to be funneled through Chris Godwin. We know it's going to be probably funneled through Rashad White. How do you break down this entire pie for passing game for you your projections? What does it look like? And walk me through kind of how you have it have it laid out. Yeah. So um, I mean, for the first thing with Baker Mayfield, I think we're going to get somewhere in between his L.A. Rams, you know, version and the Panthers version, right? Like, I don't. I mean, I think I, I think what he did with the Rams was was pretty exciting. Like you said, like the scriptwriters, you know, wrote wrote a compelling piece on that one. Does um, it continue? <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's going to continue. Right? Like it it seemed it seemed like it was a little too good to be true, right? Uh, but I think I think he's still got something in him. I he's He's not bad, right? I, he's mid, right? I call him Baker midfield because I feel like he is pretty mid. Um, but he is like a top 20, top 22-ish, like you said, quarterback, at least in my eyes, uh, this year. Um, and I think we're going to get that version where he's serviceable, right? He's going to get the ball to his his playmakers. So I do have Mike Evans at 21.5, 21.5% of the targets, uh, for 125 total targets. And I have Chris Godwin at 22.4 for 130 targets. Uh, so very close between those two, you know, top, top receivers. Uh, and then, you know, Russell Gage is there. And I, I do think he's going to play, um, you know, majority, if not all the season. So I have him about 13%. So, you know, he's the third, the third receiving option. Uh, so I do think Mike Evans is going to hit based on, on, on that 21.5% target share. I think he's going to hit, another thousand yard season. I mean, there's nothing that tells me other than Baker Mayfield completely, you know, um, you know, regressing back into the, the days of his, his Cleveland Browns um, version. Uh, I think Mike Evans is going to see a thousand yard season again, right? I mean, he's going to, he's going to put up some touchdowns. Um, I do have him slightly above 14 yards per reception. I mean, that's kind of in line with what he's been doing throughout his career. Going to catch 75 balls. Um, so I do think that he's going to be, I, I mean, I think he's being underdrafted right now. I mean, if you're saying he's being drafted in the thirties, wide receiver thirties, like, I mean, both of us have him higher than that. Right. So, I mean, I think there's, there's value there. And I think there's something to be said about, again, like just that division where it's going to be fairly competitive. There's no one really, I mean, the saints, I think, you know, are there Panthers have a rookie quarterback, um, the Falcons, you know, who knows what they're going to do with Ritter. I mean, I'm, I like Ritter. Um, but I think Tampa Bay is going to be, be staying in games and throwing it and, and getting, you know, giving Mike, Mike, uh, Mike, uh, Mike Evans, the, the target volume. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's going to be interesting. And, you know, just even looking at, you know, back in 2021, when, when Mayfield was in Carolina, 
um, you know, for, for that, for that stand, you know, DJ, there was a, there was a stretch where DJ Moore was seeing on a, you know, an average of about 10 targets per game through a stretch. I mean, it wasn't the whole season. Right. And I don't think Mike Evans is going to get 10 targets a game by any stretch of the imagination, but I think you can project him about, about seven, seven targets a game, right. From Baker Mayfield. Uh, and if you project over the season and that's how I got that 125, uh, and then that again, puts him in that range of about a thousand thousand yard season. And that, that means he's going to be a decent WR too. I mean, if he's hitting a thousand yards, uh, you know, then he's probably hitting that top 20 ish, uh, wide receiver production. So, when we talk about projections, this is that group again, that very tight knit group. Mike Evans is between wide receiver 21 for me and where I have Mike Evans ranked is separated by five and a half fantasy points. <laughs> so yeah. I, it, it's, it's, it's so tight. And I look at it and I say, I actually think he probably should be closer to 21 because I look at the names that I have around him. They have question marks. Michael Pittman, right? We have, a new quarterback, a running, a rush first quarterback, Drake London. They have the addition of Bijan Robinson. They still have uh, Kyle Pitts, and they aren't necessarily a pass heavy offense. They're actually the lowest pass, passing offense in the NFL, according to my projections and in history based upon last year. Christian Kirk also in the area, which they added, you know, Ridley to this offense. Amari Cooper, which they added Elijah Moore to this offense. You know, Deontay Johnson. I like Deontay Johnson, so I'm not going to speak anything bad about him right there. Terry McLaurin, right? New offensive coordinator, new new quarterback. And so Jerry Judy, right? Hasn't lived up to the expectation. Also in the new system with a new coach, new offensive coordinator, new head coach. So there's a lot of question marks with this entire group. Mike Evans performs just even remotely close to what he has in his career. And I think you're probably right at that wide receiver 21 range. It makes me want to take a look at this number because a lot of people will be first or quick to point out that, oh, Tom Brady's gone. They're not going to have the amount of passing volume that they had, which is absolutely accurate. Like I have significantly declined the amount of passing attempts that are going to be inside this offense because Brady is gone. And we do not expect Baker to throw at the same rate. That being said, there's a lot of vacated targets in this team. 238 vacated targets to be exact. Leonard Fournette is gone. Leonard Fournette was a target monster, right? We saw all these other insane, insane, ancillary pieces well i'll try to say that after you've had a cocktail there's a lot of other pieces here that have are now gone and it opens up a lot of target share and so even in a reduced volume offense there's still a lot of opportunity here for mike evans so i like your overall targets i think you said 125 yep Mm -hmm. yeah that was close to where i had him right i was at like 120 so five more targets 65 percent catch percentage probably moves them up pretty pretty close to what is he yeah. 21? So I think I think I'm gonna make that adjustment. So I like I like this discussion. Let's talk about we got let's do one more wide receiver. So I'm gonna let you pick here because we're we're already over the hour long mark. So Traylon Burks, Mike Williams, or Kadaris Tony. Pick your poison. Let's let's do Traylon. We were, we, were, we were touching on him before we started, before we hit the record button. So let's let's touch on Traylon Burks. I think I think that's another polarizing. There's a couple, I mean, they're all polarizing to an extent, but I think Traylon Brooks is an interesting one. I do like Traylon Burks this year. So, of course, Traylon Burks drafted last year round one, pick 18, to the Tennessee Titans coming out of Arkansas. Uh, He only played 11 games last year, 54 targets, 33 receptions, 444 receiving yards. He did have 658 uh, air yards, um, only one receiving touchdown, finished as wide receiver 56 in points per game. 
Although you have to be at least a little, I should what's the word I'm looking for? You have to be at least have a positive outlook on 2023 because he's literally the only one in this field. Like I don't think they have another NFL caliber wide receiver in this offense. So let me read the names that he is competing in the target share department. I'm going to start with receivers because it doesn't matter which way you go. It gets ugly. Chris Moore is one of his, his competitors. Nick Westbrook, Akeen, probably his main competitor. Kyle Phillips, Chris Conley, Colton Dowell, Chigo, who I really like. So I'm not going to speak ill of Chigo. Josh, with it, I don't even know Josh Swain. I don't even know if that's how you say his name. Josh Weil, right? None of these people are going to command any target share. Derek Henry is getting more involved in the passing game because he has to. We we no longer have to really worry about Dontra Hilliard. So they added Tajay Spears, who will get at least fairly involved inside of the receiving core. That being said, this is wide open for Traylon Burks. 26% target share is what I have him projected for inside of this offense. And that brings him to 131 targets because this is a run-first offense. So 26% target share like somewhere like Kansas City, 26% target share is someone like the Chargers. That number's closer to the like 160 range, 170 range. But in Tennessee, it's only 131 targets. Give him a 61% cash percentage. I do have him over 1,000 yards, 1,094 to be exact, 5.9 touchdowns. Comes in as my ranking as my wide receiver 29. Your wide receiver 35. ECR is also wide receiver 35. Yep. Walk me through your projection. Yeah, so I, I think Traylon Brooks is taking a step forward. And, I, and like you, I do have him for a 1,000-yard season, uh, even though it's a run-heavy offense, given the names that you listed, right? I, I didn't even know, like, a couple of those names. I was like, wait, who? <laughs> like, you know, who is that? I can't even uh, pronounce them. Yeah, yeah, I have not projected, but even that, I was like, okay, yeah, you get you get five targets, you know? Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you eight. Um, yeah. You know, but, you know, just some of the things that I just – some of the factors that I considered – Right, they drafted Will Levis, and I, I'm guessing they're going to give him a shot, right? So that's going to potentially hurt some of that, you know, built-up chemistry with Tannehill, and who knows what Will Levis is. Um, so that's just kind of walking through just some of my general thoughts. Uh, I have him just shy of twenty of twenty-three percent of the target share at 120 targets. Um, so a little bit less than you, but you know, generally speaking, I think I think there is room for more, right? Like just you know, not Chris Moore, but room for <laughs> more for Brooks. Uh, in this offense. So I could definitely see it, you know, what you're saying is 130-ish targets at a 26% of the target share. I mean, like you said, Derek Henry receiving more than, I mean, most of those most of those pass catchers in the in that offense. I do have uh, Traylon Burks, you know, like I said, over 1,000 yards. Uh, I think the touchdowns is where probably I don't, I, I'm not confident in him. Uh, I just have him for like three touchdowns. Um, okay. through That's the, the difference then. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's that's just generally speaking where where I feel like um, he's going to be lacking. So um, you know, because I just don't know what they're going to do and how he's going to get get into the end zone unless he's making some big plays. And he he did show some some big play potential, uh, you know, last year, uh, you know, throughout you know the times that he was in and out of, of, of the season. Uh, but like you said, the offense is going to run through Derrick Henry. He's going to be a monster, you know, whether it's even through the air, he's going to see, you know, his 40, 40 targets and he's going to see, you know, his, his definitely lion's share of the carries. Uh, so that's, that's, that's where I have Traylon Brooks as a low end wide receiver three. Um, and, and we're not, we're not that far off, you know, regardless, right. I think we're, I think we're right there, but um, I, I think there's definitely potential that we're both slightly wrong and he's, you know, a top 20 receiver, right. I think yep. that's definitely in the possibilities. Well, 
Chalk, I appreciate your time. Uh, you've been very generous with your time. I love dissecting numbers with analysts, especially sharp people like yourself who who also create projections, bury themselves in spreadsheets, you know, and sit here and work on the numbers and and really analyze all the different angles of the offenses. It's nice to be able to kind of um, mind meld in that regard, and for us to touch base and and to you know share our insights with each other. I, you know, I think you've convinced me that I am too low on Mike Evans. And, and again, you know, why does he 21, 28 close, but you know, in a rankings competition, you know, those type of splits and those type of differences make all the difference in the world. And so I appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on the podcast and, uh, and why don't you tell the people where to find you, uh, what you're working on and plug them with all the, all the details. Yeah. So you can find me on Twitter at one Oh one chalk. Uh, you can also find my work at theandroppables.com. Uh, so that's that's where you can find me online. Um, what I'm working on right now is I got to fine tune my projections, right? I got to get back to the drawing board on a couple of these guys. Specifically, I think Kenneth Walker is the first name on my list. That I gotta I gotta relook at and 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 really consider, right? Pull up that picture on player player profiler, right? And and have him staring at me as I rework those projections, right? Um, just print that picture. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'll be working on my projections, um, you know, getting ready for the in-season competition. I gotta, I gotta catch you or get closer to you this year. Um, you know, you're, you are the, the gold standard when it comes to projections and rankings in season and draft. Uh, so, you know, got, got down in my rankings and, uh, yeah, getting ready for the Scott Fishbowl, right? So I gotta take my projections and I've been working through that and with the scoring settings and just kind of preparing for that. And I've been insisting uh, Scott Fish with the, the, the sleeper version of the Scott Fish Bowl Leagues. Um, so, yeah, just been working on that as well over the next few weeks. Awesome. Well, Chalk, thanks for tuning in again. Everybody, I will be back tomorrow. Or I should get when this goes live, it'll actually be today. So I'll be back today with Theo on First Class Fantasy with Andrew Erickson over from Fantasy Pros. I'll also be back on Sunday with Matt, a.k.a. The Podfather, back on The Dominator we will see you then. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show, Man vs. Machine. I am your host, Billy Musio. Take care, and I will see you soon. Be sure to subscribe and activate those alerts so you get notified as soon as new videos drop. And be sure to check out playerprofiler.com. We have all the tools for you to dominate every type of fantasy league. We have a draft kit, Dynasty Deluxe, Data Analysis, DFS Dominator, and don't forget the player rankings to rule them all.